this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Welcome to 2023, where the Seals and Nighthawks lead the NLL. Dan Latissure of the Riptide hopes his team can right the ship. Robert Hope and the Mammoth will lift their championship banner a mile high, and we give you another chance to pick our parlay. All that and more on OTCB. Good evening and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, alongside Pat Gregoire. My name is Teddy Jenner, and boy, have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. Here's Burke. Doby. Doby. Trying to go short side, gets his own rebound and scores! Soft trick for Dane Doby, his old stomping ground. We're not even at halftime yet. Now as he sets up with his teammate, Josh Burns, looking for six here. Burns with a shot, oh. he scores! It's a sock trick. I've seen a couple of socks out of the turf. It's over to Dinsdale. Madrona kind of sets a pick. Dinsdale fires and scores! Goal number 99 for Marley and Saskatchewan doubles their lead. Happy New Year, lacrosse fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. It was a quiet week last week, but some very intriguing storylines and some incredible performances. Uh, one of those performances was Pat Gregoire shaking it as the ball dropped on New Year's Eve. What's going on, <laughs> my man? How are you? Uh, doing good. Happy New Year, Teddy. And yeah, I was... Uh... I was bowling on New Year's. I found out that I am a horrific, horrific bowler. I stink at bowling. Um, but it's one of those things where, like, near the end of the night, I don't know if it was, you know, maybe the drinks, but started to get into a groove and started playing better. It's like, I didn't want to stop. But the next day I woke up and, like, my shoulder oh. was just killing me. I'm like, I'm getting old. Like, I just had a bowling injury. This yeah. is how we're starting off 2023. Yeah. Yeah. So health is uh, going to be a priority <laughs> for myself um, in this new year. Um, a couple of buddies of mine joined a, a bowling league this year, or last year technically, and uh, every so often I would fill in for them. And – it is true. The mechanics of bowling is so awkward that you use muscles that you don't normally use, say, in a yeah. lacrosse game or golfing or whatever it may be. Yeah, I came back and I had the elbow soreness. My knee was – my ankle was sore. <laughs> uh, it was just – are you a spinner or are you a straight bowler? Uh, I tried the spin and it just it's it was uh, I was ugly so Double I just broke your wrist. yeah but I, I was trying to you know throw some sauce on it and look cool I'm like this isn't working so I just you know started just going straight and the results started to come so uh, if you got any tips for us he's at P Greggy I'm at Teddy Jenner the show is at OTCB underscore podcast find us on the instas at OTCB podcast thanks for tuning in here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, wherever you get your shows, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, you name it, we are there. Um, so let's go back uh, seven days or so. What was your biggest takeaway from the three games over last weekend? It's it's crazy because there's only three games, but I think we learned a lot. I think we did learn a lot about those teams that – we're on display. Uh, but the biggest thing for me is I do think San Diego is legit. I think they are the 
maybe the measuring stick for what a championship contending team looks like right now. And I know they haven't really put a consistent four quarters together, but I think the fact that they're three and oh, they have shown dominance and we still haven't seen the best of them. That's why I think once they put things together, they're going to be tough to beat in a three game series. But with that being said, another thing with this team that I learned, if they cannot figure out what's going on in net, Mm -hmm. I don't think they have what it takes to win a championship. That is what is going to separate them from being a team that's impossible to beat in three games and being a team that could possibly lose in the first round. Whatever is going on with Frank Giuliano right now, you know, you know, do I think Chris Origlieri can be a championship goalie? Absolutely. Uh, he, he is one of, if not the most promising goaltenders in this league. Can he do it right now in this part of his career? I don't know. I think it would be one of the greatest stories we've seen in the NLL in a long time if they can ride uh, a 21-year-old to a championship. So I think whatever's going on with with Chiliano right now has to be figured out because I think that could be the straw that breaks the camel's back in a championship run because you look at their defense and, man, um, they're doing a great job. Uh, they're, they're playing within their system. Uh, they're contributing in transition. You look at their offense. I mean, do we really even have to talk about it? Like even if like that game against Saskatchewan, they were miserable for three quarters yeah. and then just the offense came to life. So it's just very concerning to, to be Teddy that, that this, and I go, I know it's, it's early, but something has to happen here, whether it's they, they go to O'Reg or if, if, they have the confidence that Chiliano can turn things around and get back to the goalie that we've seen in previous years. Uh, at one point, uh, let's see, three minutes into the third quarter, it was 15 to five for San Diego. And Calgary got all the way back to within three late. A couple tough penalties really cost them in the final few minutes of that game to try and really pull off. Uh, the full comeback, but you have to give a lot of credit to Calgary too for yeah. much like much like San Diego in that Saskatchewan win, they knew that shots were going to eventually start to fall, and Calgary knew that their shots were eventually going to start to fall. And yes, maybe Frankie gets a little tired, and the change to O Rig was a necessity for Patrick Merrill. But for Calgary to take positives away, you know, they had a really good final 20 minutes. And I think that this club really has started to show that they can be a contender if they're playing 60 minutes. But Brad Chowner brought up this comment, and you and I talked about it a bit on Coast to Coast. Do you think San Diego goes to a relief goalie system? And say, okay, we're going to play Frank for the first three quarters. And then once we see any sort of signs of him slowing down, we're going to tap the arm, go to the bullpen, and bring out O-Rig to, to clean it up. I mean, I'm reluctant to say they will because we haven't seen this before in in at least the box game. I mean, in field lacrosse, we see all the time goalies split games. and mm-hmm. um, But with the game of lacrosse being just, you know, it – traditional in the sense of 
yeah, we see some coaches try some new things, but it takes a little while for it to really come to fruition. But I think if that's going to allow them to be a championship team, then I think they're going to test those waters. But at the end of the day, you and I both know that goaltenders, they're, they're voodoo, right? Like they, they have to be the ones that are going to buy into it. Is Chiliano going to be okay with that? Like he's a guy that has had a hard time giving up the net. Um, You know, he's played too much lacrosse in, in my opinion, some sometimes whether it's in the summer or whether it's in the NLL and you can see his game kind of goes to falter when he gets tired. He's a big boy. Um, But, you know, Jake Elliott mentioned it on, on their show this week, like the load management thing, of course, is a, is a newer um, thing that we're seeing across sports. So obviously there's that reluctance with a game like lacrosse, people aren't going to be open to it because you see all the best goalies, the Matt Vince's of the world, Christian Delbianco, uh, whatever it may be, whatever these top goalies, they play every single game. Nick mm-hmm. Rose plays every single game. Nick Rose is a big guy. He, pl- he plays every single game. Um, and that's what the best goalies in the league do. So I think we just expect the, them to play every game or finish every game. But I don't know. I would be more open to, and I said it at the start of the year, I'd be more open to Shiliano starting 14, 15 games yeah, in the last regular I, I just, I just don't. And again, it's because we've never seen it. Yeah, We've never seen yeah. this system work. So that's why I'm reluctant to say that that's what they're going to go to. But I would much rather them share the net. And it doesn't even have to be a 50-50 split. No. Just just give give Oreg a couple more starts and allow Shiliano to rest and and watch and see the tendencies and help, you know, help groom a regular area. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's he's done it before. Um, and I know you know San Diego is gonna have a decision here. Do, do you stick with Shiliano, the guy that you have invested in? Or are you going to have to move and and now start thinking about the future with a guy like O'Reglieri, who obviously has shown he can play in this league? Obviously, the story of the game leading into it was the return of Curtis Dixon to the Rough House, and he got off to a bit of a slow start, but ended up having a, a, a typical Curtis Dixon game. But it was Dane Doby stealing the show, and if you were following social media in the hours leading up to that game, news broke that uh, Dr. Don Doc Hedges had passed away peacefully at his home uh, in the lower mainland with the help of doctors. And it kind of cast a heavy shadow for a lot of people in that game, because there are a lot of Coquitlam guys um, throughout both of those organizations. A lot of guys that, that knew Doc very well. And Dane Doby probably knew Doc um, as better, as well as anybody uh, on that floor. And you could see that he was playing for something more. And Nick Rose put out the tweet that said, no question that Dane Doby is playing for Doc Hedges tonight. What a special performance so far for a special man. And it really was. Mm -hmm. And we know what Dane Doby can do. And Dane Doby can go off for seven in a heartbeat and never even think about it. What he did Friday night was one of the most special performances I have seen in a long time. And it just goes to show how much Doc meant to Dane and to so many other players. Um, It it really was an incredible performance by Dane Doby. 
It, it really was. And he's the type of player that plays with such emotion to, to begin with. Um, and when that news obviously broke, you knew that he was, he was playing for, for more than just the game. And, um, you know, I obviously being from the East coast, uh, you know, have not really had the opportunity, uh, to interact with, with doc, but I mean, just go on Twitter, just go on Instagram and, and mm-hmm. seeing all the people who, um, you know, the outpouring for him and his family just goes to speak volumes of how special of, of a person he was and how important he meant to that community in the lacrosse community out West and in Coquitlam most notably. But um, yeah, you, you could tell like there's Dane Doby games, which yeah. we see quite often, but there, there was just that little more push. And I think he had a special someone, uh, you know, in his mind during that, that, that unbelievable performance. Yeah. Read some of the articles that are out there. Um, Steve Ewan did, did a really nice article for the province out here in BC, but doc hedges was more than just a team doctor. He was mm-hmm. um, a bit of a life coach. He was a mentor. He was a friend. He was a father figure. Um, ask Pat Coyle where he would be today if it wasn't for Doc Hedges. And Pat Coyle probably doesn't know where he would be if it wasn't for Doc Hedges. And I think he had that effect on a lot of people. Uh, he is uh, was an incredible man. The biggest smile you ever saw whenever you walked into arena uh, and he was there. He always gave up a, a great hug, shook your hand, asked you how your family was doing, asked you how you were doing, and always would go that extra mile. And... I don't know too many people that encompass sport in BC the way that Doc Hedges did. I had people that weren't even lacrosse people uh, messaging me and said, hey, he was my team doctor when I played for the Vancouver Whitecaps or when I played for this team. Um, Just a a real tough day for a lot of people, but uh, I know Doc's probably resting easy now, uh, pain-free, just happy where he is. And uh, we're definitely all going to miss him. So uh, rest in peace, Doc. We thank you for everything. Um, And we're definitely going to miss you. No real easy transition. Um, But the other game on Friday night, Buffalo Bandits and the Halifax Thunderbirds. I know you were watching this one closely. It was a a battle of titans in the east. Um, The Buffalo Bandits are so back? Question mark, exclamation point, question mark. They're back. They're back indeed. They they were playing with swagger. They were playing with, uh, you know, emotion, with that energy that you expect the Buffalo Bandits team, especially on offense, that we haven't really seen through the first two games. Like talking to Brandon Robinson last week, you, you know, mentioned that, you know, they looked a little more like themselves, but they still only scored 11 goals. Um, just one more goal than they did in their loss to Albany. Um, but you know, Josh Byrne goes out and has 12. Um, he is that spark plug on offense. Like, of course, Dane, Dane Smith, it has been the, the statistical leader on, on that team. And we've seen him do some unbelievable things, but, and again, I think Jake mentioned this on their show that whenever the offense looks stagnant, it's like a crazy goal from Byrne that kind of mm-hmm. rejolts offense uh rejolts that offense and i think that's what happened um you know he was certainly feeling himself and you know to walk away with seven goals on 11 shots is just absolutely ridiculous um 
But with that being said, um, I'm concerned for Halifax, not in the fact that mm. I don't think that they're going to be a top contending team in the East, uh, but again, another really shaky performance for Ward Hill. And I'm, I'm curious if he's still healthy. We saw him miss a start uh, yeah. against New York because from what it sounded like uh, was battling a nagging injury. Uh, well, it looks like he was possibly battling that injury as well as we saw once again, Drew Hutchison come in, in spot duty. He looked pretty sharp. And I think Halifax now has a question in between the pipes. Do you go with Hutchison or do you ride your guy in Warren Hill and hopefully he can get through some things or do you allow him to get healthy? But if that's the case and Hutchison comes up with another win this weekend, how do you go back to Hill? I know you, you never want to Wally pip someone. You, you don't lose your job to injury, but you know, as well as anyone knows, this is a short season. Um, the East is an absolute meat grinder. You cannot afford to drop down. And if Hutchison's going to give you the best chance to win, I think you have to go with him. Saskatchewan rush in the year uh, with a bang at home. Uh, again, another team that's starting to really find their rhythm. Obviously, game one against Colorado is huge. They have they play three perfect quarters against San Diego, and then they get Panther City at home and just kind of, you know, did what Saskatchewan and, and the Rush do. Uh, they just play consistent, heady, tough lacrosse. Um, and I, I almost want to use the same adage. Uh, are they back? So they're back, but they're in a different way of, of their back because the Bandits looked like the Bandits. And I, I think, at least from an offense standpoint, let's mm -hmm. look at that. I think their defense, like, it's, it's a different – team than what we saw during the dynasty there's still some familiar pieces it was great to see that you know rubish was back and healthy um but they're they're younger i think they were actually even more athletic um they're getting involved in transition uh they are a scary team at the back door on offense they're still don't get me wrong they have some offensive power no doubt about that uh robert church with with six points um Matthews, I think, had six as well. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that they're the offense that's going to overwhelm you and suffocate you and, and move the ball and have defenses going crazy. But I think you mentioned that word consistent. I think they can consistently, you know, put up 11, 12, 13 goals a game, and it's going to be the job of the defense to hold things down. And I think they're confident enough that they can suffocate other teams defensively. And Alex Bouquet, man, like I was just he, going there. All he's got to do is, is, is just be solid. And it got a little hairy near the end of the game. Um, things started to fall apart. Some, some weak goals, but he was able to, to do enough to get the job done. And that's all he really has to do with how this, this team is structured and how this defense is structured make the saves that you need to make. And this is a very, very, very good lacrosse team. He has an 8.84 goals against and a 83% save percentage. He's 81%. He's top five in both. I think yeah. he's actually leading goals against. Like people look at his numbers with Vancouver the past few years, um, even in, in New England and they thought, oh, this guy just can't get it done. 
Well, it just goes so you put a good defense in front of Alex Bouquet and just yep. let him play the way he does. He's fine. Mm-hmm. He's a really good goaltender still. And I think that gives Saskatchewan a lot of confidence and something that they haven't had in the past few years. A, a guy that, you know, some of their players are familiar with, uh, a guy that just plays steady, solid goaltending. And, you know, you let in one or two bad ones, but he hasn't really been doing that this year. And I think that's a huge boost for this group. And if they can get that defense healthy, and I don't think they're going to have to blow teams out of the water. I think they're going to be that race to 12 team, hold everybody else under 10, we're going to be fine. So, uh, yeah, you know, they may not be as dominant as they were when they were going 15-1 and and, and winning back-to-back championships, but I, I think this is a rush team that teams are going to have to be real, real worried about as they get more confidence uh, going forward. Um, before we go thumbs up, thumbs down, uh, we're going to talk with Dan Latasseur and Robert Hope in a little bit. But are the Vancouver Warriors in trouble, Patty? Um, New Year's Eve, they released Steve Fryer. Uh, they're going with Aiden Walsh and Ethan Woods right now. They're 0-3. Um, what is the solution? Is there one? Well, first off, I want to say I hope that releasing wasn't actually on New Year's Eve, and that's just when the transaction wire came through. I'll just I'll leave it at that. Um, do I think Steve Fryer played to the best of his abilities during that the start of the season? Probably not. Do I think that Steve Fryer and the goaltending was the issue and the reason why Vancouver finds themselves in this hole to start the year no has the goaltending been good though no so i understand why they're looking for an answer in between the pipes but let's be quite honest here this search for a goaltender shouldn't have been done three games into the season it should have been done in the off season everyone saw this coming Mm -hmm. everyone saw this coming steve fryer Big team guy, you know, has shown that at times he can play in this league. He hasn't proven that he's been a a, a starter before. Aiden Walsh is a rookie. He's been great in junior, but as everyone knows, that's a tough, tough jump to make to the National Lacrosse League. And again, with with Woods, again, another backup that we've seen Mm -hmm. very, very small sample sizes of. To to go in this season and think an option of these three without having a backup plan, like, this this is kind of, they kind of did this to themselves, to be honest. And I'm sure that, you know, we can say that we don't know. Maybe they tried to go out and, and make a splash and trade for a goalie or, you know, Maybe they should have kept kept Bouquet, but obviously Bouquet didn't really work for them last year. And as you mentioned, they he he needed a different defense in front of him to to prove that he's a great goaltender. Anyways, for me though, it's just like we knew this search was going to happen. It yep. should have happened in the off season, and now they're paying for it. They're down 0-3 in a division now where he, he, you look. Panther City's got two wins. Colorado's one and one. They're they're going to be a great team. Cal- Calgary obviously proving that they should be competing 
for a West title with Saskatchewan and, and San Diego. Like there is no room for error. Everyone talks about the East and I'm obviously guilty of it because I'm out here and how much of a, you know, a meat grinder is and how difficult it's going to be to make the postseason. It's going to be just as hard, if not harder, to make the West. Oh, a hundred percent. And you know, yeah, I agree. They probably did try and kick some tires during the off season, but my biggest issue with Vancouver is they, they just don't have any draft capital. Yeah. You know, Dan Richardson's not going to be trading any first round picks anytime soon, unless it's for the greatest deal uh, to ever come across his desk. But, you know, maybe outside of Kyle Killen, uh, Adam Charlambides, who's an Eastern guy, um, Owen Grant, who they just drafted, who's good, pro- will be coming into the NL- NLL next year. I just don't know what pieces they have other teams would want. And when you're in that kind of a situation, there's not many deals out there to be made. And if you're trying to find a goaltender through trading, I I just don't see what they can give up. And and that's my biggest concern is, sure, they can start the rebuild and they can say, hey, you know what? We're going with all young guys and we're just going to slowly start to build through the draft. (sighs) There's still four years, five years away from, I think, really being a contender. Because you look at their back end, they have no speed coming out of the back end. They are incredibly slow in transition. Their offense has only put up 22 goals in three games. They're minus 22 goal differential right now. Like, nothing is working for this organization. And I know Dan Richardson has been put and was put behind the eight ball with moves from previous regimes but there's got to be some way and i just don't know what it is that this team can make some sort of splash to get a goaltender they're just not out there and i I thought they they should have made a push for justin getty um i don't again they may have i I was heavy on the train that they should have been trying to make a trade for zach higgins uh since he was playing out here in the summertime but I just don't know what this organization can do. And and the the more they spin their wheels and the longer they struggle, uh, the more strain that gets put on that fan base and that organization and, and Dan Richardson and yep. Troy Cordingly. So um, there's a long road ahead. Teams have come back from worse starts. Uh, but I just don't know how quickly this team can turn it around. They got San Diego this weekend. And I think they have two games against Vegas, so that might give them some momentum. But if they start dropping three games here in January and they're 0-6, I don't know, man. It's it's a tough thing to sell to your fan base. Yeah, and again, I want to reiterate, yes, I know a heavy focus is on the goaltending, and you you brought it up. It's not just, just no, the issue. Not at all. Like, like we we were very hung up to dry so many times in those three games. A hundred percent. It it was and and that's why it's like I I was like I don't want to say shock, but when when you 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 release him, it's like he really wasn't the problem. But again, you got to see you got to see what you have with Woods, and maybe. Yeah. I, but I don't understand why you couldn't have had drop Walsh down to the practice roster. Maybe he didn't want to, to go on the practice yeah. roster and he would have been free to, to, to go somewhere else. Um, 
But yeah, I don't know. Honestly, you're right though. Like it's yes. Rebuilding probably is the right thing to do with this team right now. But the fact that you have to sell tickets, this is a, 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 a team going back into the downtown core in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can afford to to sell a rebuild because people are going to, all right, well, this yeah. thing stinks. We're not well, like, they can't, they, they can't afford it. They just so cannot afford this. it. Okay. So they finished dead last, just hypothetically. They had the first overall pick, right? Like, are you going Williams? Are you going Potras? Are you going Haley? Most like the top out of the top five guys in the draft, I'd say four of them are Eastern guys. Ryan Sheridan is probably the top ranked lefty or the top ranked Western guy going into this draft offensively. What do you do? Do you take a Dyson Williams? Do you take a Potras? Do you take a Brock Haley? Or do you just focus on Western guys? Or do you? Try to find a goaltender somehow and trade, trade down. Cause you know Willie's gonna want that first overall pick. But again, I don't know if they have what you're looking for. But it's just gonna be a real hard sell to to turn this thing around. I, I truly believe, unless until they find a goaltender, it is going to be an incredibly hard for this organization to turn themselves around. And, and it's not just Vancouver. It's for any team. Like yeah, it has exactly. been proven time and time again, that the NLL is a goaltenders league. Look at the teams that win championships year after year. They have an elite goalie. Like, yes, Buffalo is unbelievably dynamic and their defense is stout, but I don't think Buffalo would be the winning the East year after year. If it wasn't for Matt Vince, there would be some years where they had drawbacks, right? Like goaltending just hides so many issues. And I think these issues wouldn't be so glaring if the, the goaltending was, was, was shorn. But again, we're getting back to putting this on the goaltenders. I cannot emphasize enough that it's not, it's not an easy fix. No. It is certainly not an easy fix. There are so many issues that this team has. And Troy Coringley is probably making that very evidently clear that like, mm-hmm. this is not your goalie's fault. This is on you guys. You need to be better. Uh, thumbs up, thumb down. Um, my thumbs up, not really lacrosse related, but sports family related. Obviously everybody knows the situation of DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo bills. And just that, incredibly scary moment uh, on Monday night football, but I actually haven't checked it today, but last I checked over five and a half million dollars. People have donated to his GoFundMe page, just an incredible show of support from the sporting world. Um, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen it in lacrosse. I think I've heard of it a couple times where, you know, a kid jumps in front of a shot or a goalie takes one on the chest pad and just happens at that exact moment. Um, but just some real scary stuff. And, and kudos to everyone who's helped donate uh, to DeMar Hammond. And hopefully we get some good news in the coming days. But uh, just a real, real scary scene and nothing that anybody ever wants to see. Um, I mean, it's hard to to pick another thumbs up uh, when you follow it up with that. So 
I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to say 100%. That's mm-hmm. that just goes to show, you know, 6.3 million US dollars. That's 6.3. And um, it's it is so unbelievable to see the support of, and everyone knows, like, um, you know, the Buffalo Bills have been notorious for stepping up and helping other teams in certain foundations. Like when yes. Tua, uh, when he got hurt, you know, Joe Burrow. Joe, yeah, exactly. So um, all different things. And that's what I saw on Twitter. Like the Cincinnati fan base was like, Bill's mafia is always there helping a hand when, when other teams and other communities need it, let's go out and help. And, you know, all it took was just someone on Twitter to, to throw that out there. And it just yeah. has, that it has just snowballed like Robert Kraft and the new England Patriots, $18,000. I saw they donated yeah. Matthew Stafford, 12,000, the Texans, 10,000, um, Russell and Sierra Wilson, another 10 grand, um, Tom Brady, 10 grand. So it's, it's, it is really, really awesome to see, like n- no doubt it is a horrifying situation that none of us ever expect, um, to happen, but I mean, if we have to take solace in, in these dark times, it's great to see that um, we can put everything aside and and use this horrible situation to try to make some good out of it. Because uh, if you if you read into more of, of Demar Hamlin, the the guy yeah. uh, is a special special person and cares about his community in Pittsburgh. And even before he was in the NFL, he was doing work like this while he was at Pitt, a college student playing football. Um, started this toy drive. So that just goes to show you the character that he is. Um, I don't really want to do any thumbs down. There's been too many sad stuff going on this week. So we're just going to skip thumbs down just because positive vibes only this week on the show. Uh, Dan Latasseur and the New York Riptide off to a slow start. They would like some positive vibes for the new year. See what the big dog has to say. It's Patty and I chat with him right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. The New York Riptide are off to an 0-2 start. Not ideal, but head coach Dan Latasur, I'm sure, has the right mix to turn things around. He joins us now. Laddie, what's going on, man? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, fellas. Hope all's well. Uh, they are. Um, first question out of the gate, uh, how long until the new knee can handle a long bike ride? <laughs> it's funny. I've gone from the recumbent to the upright, so I think I'm I'm making I'm making oh, progress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you jonesing to get out there for a nice long 30 mile ride or something stupid? I, I love that it's this time of year because I'm not really too crazy. So uh, so I think I'll just keep putting the, putting the work in and looking forward to some spring ride. Uh, all right, let's get to the real stuff. Uh, time to hit the ground running for you and your group. Uh, just two games in the first month. Um, you lose that first game by a couple of inches to force overtime. Uh, the second game, just kind of things didn't go your way. How important is it for you guys to really just forget about those first couple and move on? Yeah, it's it's massive. I mean, um, the the second one was a real uh, a sour pill to suck on for a while there, but uh, especially having that time off over the holidays, that sort of the big break um, leaves that sour taste in. But the message was to, you know, let it sink in for that first little bit and then put it behind it and get back to back to the work, back to what we do away from the floor to come back and, um, you know, put together 60 minutes of what we, what we really are, what our real identity is. 
You made it pretty clear yourself and and Jim Feltman that you wanted to be tougher. You wanted to be tougher to play against. After two games this season, how would you assess that change, uh, that mentality you wanted your, not just your defense, but the offense to take as well? And I don't, I don't think it's there yet. I think, uh, I think guys have more in them and uh, you know, it's, that's my job, my responsibility to get it out of them. But uh, there's also some, some accountability player to player as well, right? You have, we have guys that can um, stand in there with, with any guy in the league. And, and, you know, in general, we just need more pushback. And, um, and that comes down to, to urgency and, and will to win. And, and I think now coming off this break, guys are hungry and we're going to see more of that now. This is a club that a lot of people, I think, had aspirations to be, you know, one of the the competitors in the Eastern Conference. Um, do you still feel like you guys are there? Yeah, I think we have all the parts to be there. Um, you know, we brought in some new faces, so there's a little bit of time to to mend and, and gel. Um, some injury issues early on. You know, our right side without having Callum there for, I mean, we had him for half a game. Um, that having him there, um, you know, it sort of balances out the floor. A lot of pressure put on the lefts um, um, when Callum's not there. Um, he's just a natural ball carrier. Um, we asked, you know, guys like Jake Fox or, or Connor to carry the ball, and that's that's not their game. Um, they did a good job for us, and they worked hard at it, but um, having Callum back in there um, in his natural ability to carry and also be a threat from all over the floor, um, I think that brings a lot of balance to the floor for us. So you expect Callum back this weekend? Yeah, yeah, we're expecting him back. Um, do you have a timeline on Will Johnston? Nothing yet. Um, surgery went well. Um, and I know he's working hard in his rehab, following along. Um, but I don't I don't know that we're going to see him back this season. That's a, you know, torn ACL right before training camp. The timeline just doesn't really add up for us. Uh, what have you learned about your group in the first couple of games? You know, you talked about, you know, we, you, you still have some room to get tougher and, and a little more jam, but what did you learn about your group? There's resiliency there. Um, you know, I think coming out, uh, we had two good starts, um, two good starts to third quarters. So the opportunity to, to regroup and, and come out and, and play our game is there. Um, it's just about finding those adjustments um, and making them in-game. And that's, you know, that's the the challenge and the key is, you know, when we're on a run, um, how are we breaking it? Who's going to be, who's going to step up, whether it's a stop from, from our goaltending um, or our offense making something happen. We didn't do a great job taking care of the ball. And I think in that second game specifically, we couldn't pick up a loose ball for the life of us. And, and everyone to a man in that room agrees with it. Um, so that just comes down to the sort of heart and hustle plays as well. You mentioned some new faces to the lineup and having to gel. Well, I think there's one player who kind of jumped right into this lineup and is fit perfectly, Riley O'Connor. What made you and Jim Veltman go out and make sure you could go and, and grab an impact player like Riley? I had the chance to coach Riley um, through junior, and I just, I've always been impressed with his, um, his poise, um, but his most... I think is that his best features is lacrosse IQ. He just sees the floor really well, sees circumstances really well. And I think that was some of what we were missing last year. Um, you know, we had a lot of, a lot of young people 
in our lineup that we're just making sort of in-game mistakes, whether it be, you know, a, a mistake late in the 30, whether to pick the ball up, whether to, you know, just little in-game decisions where Riley brings a lot of that experience um, to, to, to the floor and to the group um, that he can share. Uh, I think he communicates really well as well. Um, when he talks in that offensive group, everybody has respect for him um, and they listen to his ideas um, and there's instant buy-in with him and his reputation. And, and there's a guy as well who's hungry to win. And that's what we really wanted is to bring in people that are very hungry to win and hungry to win right now. How did that conversation go to, to, to get Riley? Like, did, did Albany reach out to you? Did you kind of see the writing on the wall that they were making some moves to move some pieces or, or did they come to you? You know what? It was a conversation between me and Jim um, when we were just kind of looking at lineup, um, how we get better, where our deficiencies were. Um, and again, that sort of uh, situational play that lacrosse IQ is one of them. Um, and so we just kind of made a wish list and Riley was on our wish list and then um, left it in Jimmy's hands to sort of, hey, here are the, here are the people that I think would fit on both sides of the ball and, uh, and would love if we could make something happen. And, and Jimmy, Jimmy worked his magic. Is there another guy you'd like to kind of get from some other team <laughs> without, without tampering? <laughs> without, without tampering, that's the key right there. Yeah, I mean, there's, this league is just full of unbelievable players, and and I think we could all, all three of us could sit down, and make a dream team, and it'd be different players on each one uh, for different reasons. So uh, I think the search is always on to get better. Um, it's just tough to do without tampering or. Uh, <laughs> We're not about getting people in trouble on this show. Just herself. Just Thank herself. You. Yeah. <laughs> That's what summer balls for, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the tampering is live and well. Um, you just, I just don't want to be get caught doing it. You know, like it's yeah. all the summer conversations happen, and um, sometimes you wonder how deals get made, or or you know you. Some of them you scratch your head at, but at in the end of the, at the end of the day, um, we're all trying to play by the same rule book um, and try to keep it above board. Elite players every off season they they add another trick to their bag. That's like one thing they focus on. You hear, you know, for example, Connor McDavid this this off season apparently just really worked on his shot and look what he's doing, scoring a ton of goals. We know Jeff Teed obviously had a ton of tricks in his bag to begin with in just you know his rookie season but was there one thing that you've seen he's improved in his game in the early stages of his sophomore season i think the, the one thing i've noticed more um is his communication he's, he's much more outspoken now in that group and i think i think his relationship with riley helped bring some of that out his comfort level yeah. with riley um and he, it's, it's very clear now that um He's he's really taking ownership of that group. Um, he's he's more outspoken. Um, knows when he wants the ball. Knows when when the ball needs to be somewhere else because of either defensive structure or pressure or whatever it is. Um, but I love the, the the way he's communicating with the group now um, and imposing what he wants wants to happen in that offensive group. I mean, it is it's going to always circle around Jeff. Um, so the fact that he's kind of managing how that's how that's going to look is is a big part, and and he's much more vocal than he was last year. A couple other second year guys, um, Larson Sundown and Ron John, are big parts of your organization. What can we expect from those two young fellows this year who are really still trying to get their feet wet in the National Lacrosse League? 
I think the, the focus for, uh, for Sonny in the offseason was about his finish. Um, he works really hard. Uh, the, probably the hardest working guy on the floor and that offense steps on, um, making space and creating opportunities. Um, and then when he's finding the ball inside, I, I know that was a focus for him in the summertime is, is to get those opportunities, create those opportunities, not only for himself, but for others. But when he gets opportunity in the prime scoring areas to finish, and, and I think he's really worked hard on that. So I think that's something we could look forward to. And, and Ron John, our focus with Ron John is for him to, to play a really physical game. He's a big body, and we want him to have that sort of stop-first mentality. He's, he's amazing in transition, comfortable with the ball, and, and can score and be productive. Um, but we want him to be responsible in the defensive end, um, play with his size. Uh, he's, a, he's a big guy that can match up with any offense. Um, so we want him to be... We want him to feel comfortable in that sort of defense first mentality before he gets into his transition role. You beat Toronto last year at home and, and played a really tough game against them in Hamilton. Does that instill any sort of confidence for this group heading into a big game, a, a vital Eastern matchup? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's huge for the guys uh, confidence wise to know that this is a team that we can run against um, and, and that we match up well against. Um, you know, we have to be alive to the fact that they're coming in on two losses as well in divisional matchups. Like they're they're coming in hungry, and we're just as hungry. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great matchup. I like the way we match up with them, um, and it's going to come down to again those sort of little plays, the hard hustle plays, and, and who's going to be able to finish and, and outwork the other. How the hell do you stop Tom Schreiber? And I'm sure if you had the answer, you'd be selling it to coaches and, and GMs across the league. I guess like any of the greats, uh, you know, your Jordans, your, you know, any of the great, you don't stop them, you contain them. Um, and that's, and that's the key with Tom is, is to do what we can to, to contain him. Um, we're not going to keep him off the scoreboard, um, but we can make everything difficult for him. Um, and we know that there's a lot of players that work hard for him, like Keo and, and Dawson are going to work really hard to get him his looks. And, and we have to be alive to that uh, and work just as hard to, to take away his time and space. But um for us, it's a matter of containment as opposed to to setting a goal, an unattainable goal of, of shutting him out or stopping him. You guys play two games in the first four or five weeks of the season. Now you're about to play every game all the way through April. Um, how important is it for you guys to build a rhythm and some consistency through this stretch to start playing your best lacrosse? I, th I think it's huge. I think having, like, for us coming off that last loss and then having the break, I think, was was a really unfortunate circumstance. I think every guy in that room wanted to get back at it the next weekend um, to get that one out of the way, off the chest, off the board, um, and get back at it. So I think now going week to week, I think we're going to get that bit of consistency, bit of rhythm. And you know how important it is for the offensive unit to have that feel, have that rhythm. Uh, and I think it's just the same as in the, in the D zone, um, that constant communication, playing with guys. You know, I know he's going to fire out here. I know he wants to switch this. Um, having that consistency is going to be really important for us. And I know the guys are looking forward to getting to a, a good rhythm together. We talk about what winning does for a locker room, but winning also does a lot for a fan base. Um, how is the fan base of the Riptide starting to come around to the return of the NLO? I think it's really great. I, I love going out pregame and watching all the kids come down to the glass and, and bang on the glass with their signs. And, and you know, you look back up a, a couple rows and all the parents are there and, and, and very supportive. And, um, you know, the, the riptide gear throughout the, throughout the crowds. Um, lacrosse in New York is different because it's, it's a very knowledgeable fan base, right? They're, it's a lacrosse hub. 
So it's a knowledgeable fan base. So you, you can't bluff them. You have to go out and put on a good product. Uh, and that's what's going to keep them engaged. That's what's going to keep them supportive. Um, so, and that's what, that's what the intention is here is to continue to give them good product, give them something to sink their teeth into. Um, very much like a Toronto market, right? In the, in the hockey world, it, it's a, it's a knowledgeable market and it's, it can be fickle. Um, so again, the, the, the plan is to continue to put a good product on the floor for them. Lad, this is always a pleasure, man. I, you and I could chat for hours. Uh, but you got bigger fish to fry and, and things to worry about than us. But we appreciate my man. Uh, say hi to Rich Lisk for us. Uh, enjoy the weekend and good luck, my man. Thanks, fellas. I really appreciate the time. All right, that's Dan Latasor, head coach of the New York Riptide. And I, I like the fact that, you know, he was adamant they can be better. And with a team that had playoff aspirations, Patty, um, you know, the, the loss to Halifax was crushing because they were right there, uh, or, or sorry, to San Diego, they were right there. And then the, the loss to Halifax was just a, a kick in the junk because they really didn't have it. Um, but this is a team that really needs to right the ship fast. And the fact that they're not going to have any breaks until the beginning of April is huge. It's massive. And I think they're going to be able to get into that, that groove. Um, it's, it's super important to, to have that, um, and it's it's a case that we see across the NLL at the start of the season quite a bit, you know, with with the double buys, with the holidays. So uh, I think the break after the 0-2 start was great because we heard Lattisor say like it allowed them to kind of stew on it and, and really allow it to sting. But for a team that's 0-2 and for a team that got blown out on home floor, the vibes around the team are still super positive, not just Lattisor. If you listen to any of the post-game audio that they post, they, they said, this is not us. This was not our, our – it's not how we like to play. This is not how we're going to play going forward. They still believe that they can make the playoffs. So um, a huge game against Toronto, another team that's desperate. I know they're 1-2, but – um, they know how important these start of season wins are. So I'm really looking forward to this game. I, I think there's going to be two desperate, hungry lacrosse teams to pick up a W. Uh, Friday night, Philadelphia takes on Las Vegas ESPN game of the week. Saturday, Panther city at Rochester, Halifax at Albany, Buffalo at Georgia, Toronto at New York as Patty just said, Vancouver at San Diego, and the other ESPN game of the week, ESPN gets a double dip. Calgary at Colorado, one of the best rivalries in the National Lacrosse League. It's the Mammoth home opener. It's also banner night. Reese Dutch is on the cusp of 1,000 points. Robert Hope is the captain. He lifted a trophy twice this past summer. See if his arms are tired. Patty and I chat with the captain of the Mammoth and the four peating Peterborough Lakers. Robert Hope right here on the Off the Crossbar Podcast. It will be an incredible night at the Loud House this Saturday as the Colorado Mammoth open their home schedule, but also lift the banner, show all the fans the cup, and have an incredible game against their arch rivals, the Calgary Roughnecks. And joining us is the captain, Robert Hope of the Mammoth. How are you, Hopi? Excellent. Yourself? Uh, we are great. Um... 2022 was a wild year for you. Uh, you won the NLL championship. You won a four-peat with the Peterborough Lakers. But you also became a dad 
which was the greater accomplishment? <laughs> oh, that's that, that's a tough one. Um, I'd have to go with the first one for sure to to be able to bring myself and my wife, bring uh, our son Jet uh, into this, and, and to be able to experience all the championship with him and with my family. Uh, that's pretty special. It's a, that's a memory that uh, I obviously will always remember and, and hopefully uh, continue to add to. How is young Jet doing? How did he enjoy all the championship festivities? Oh, you know what? At times, uh, I think right after when I'm a little sweaty and wet, he doesn't really want to hold on to dad too much. So <laughs> there was a lot of crying in the championship uh, pictures. Um, but I think he, uh, I think looking back when he gets a little bit older, I think he'll think it's, uh, it, it's pretty special. I know, I know I enjoyed having them on the, on the floor and to be able to be at the games. Um, I know it's, it wasn't the best, but you know what I mean? He was, he was awesome for his sleep schedule and so on and so forth. We weren't really <laughs> following it too much during the, the man cup and, and the champions cup and NLL final. So, but, uh, yeah, it's worked out really great obviously super special to have him there it's you know unfortunate that he's so young he might not really remember these things but at the same time it's probably good because if he was a little bit older and you guys don't win championship after championship he'd be like come on what's going on here dad like this is what this is the only thing we're expected to do is win here right uh, yeah I, I guess so um i guess it's a good way to start for him um like you said but yeah hopefully he can kind of just remember um, maybe a little bit of it, probably not, but he'll be able to look back on a couple of pictures here and there and some videos that we were able to kind of capture and, and we'll ho hopefully be able to kind of talk to him about it and tell him some good stories about the, all the good times. What's we're the story you're going to tell him about, uh, you and the man or you and the, the Lakers behind the bar late night, Sean Evans shirt off <laughs> drinking from tap. One of the, one of the greatest videos of all time. Um, that's, I, I, Every time I watch, I just burst out laughing. Um, yeah, you know what? We're, we're very fortunate um, in Peterborough, obviously with our fan base, um, with with the support we get from businesses uh, at Champ Sports Bar there. Um, to be able to for them to host us after was was amazing. So again, stuff like that. We're 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 very fortunate to be from where we're from. Um, and, uh, yeah, he'll, he'll probably hear some stories, but maybe when he gets a little bit older, um, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll wait till, uh, a, a, a few years down the road, maybe, maybe a lot of years down the road to kind of share those ones. But, uh, and those will be memories that I know I'll cherish and, and I know the players and the team will cherish for sure. We talk about memories and, and moments, but as a captain, you get the first moment with the trophy whenever your team wins. Not a lot of us get to ever experience that. What is it like when after all your hard work and after all the nights that you put in with your brothers to have that moment where you get to be the first guy to lift that cup? Yeah, it, it, it's really tough to kind of put that into words. Um, like you said, you kind of, you have a quick, I guess, flashback of kind of all the all the the times and dedication with teammates and and I mean the the ups and downs throughout the year and you kind of have that but it's it's that it's that 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 joy that you get of like this is our goal this was our goal at the start of the year this is the goal this is why we play lacrosse is to win championships and we finally did it when, when that when that final buzzer kind of hits I for me it never really sinks in right away it, it kind of I always kind of look up at the clock and double check that we won and double check that the clock's at zero and then like once the kind of the cup comes out it's it's the time to kind of grab it that's kind of the one you're like wow like it's it's here it's now 
Um, and to be able to share that with teammates and, I mean, get the assistant captains up there in the leadership group, but to be able to be the first one to, to touch that as, as a captain, it's, it's a true honor. Um, and to be able to be picked to kind of represent the guys and, and the organization, it's, it's an amazing thing. I hate the question of like, where does this championship rank? Because obviously all championships have different sentiment, sentimental reasons, especially you, you know, when you, with your man cups, you know, being from Peter Bo, but obviously that NLL cup was quite, uh, you know, elusive for your group. Just how special was, you know, finally getting that moment, but not just in your career, but with that group, all the adversity that you guys went through, not just in the playoffs, but all season long. Yeah. And you said it like uh, to be able to be a part of the Mammoth organization, right. For my rookie season, to be able to play with guys from right from the beginning. And I mean, have that core group together Um, guys that I lived with down there, guys that I've traveled with and battled with. And I mean, been a part of weddings and, and I mean, seeing, I mean, kids come along and families grow um, it's truly something special. Like championships, no matter where they are, are, are just so amazing. Like it, it, everything about it, the run, um, the adversity, the next man up mentality, seeing some of the guys go down um, and then just what happens next, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people probably said, yeah, I mean, Mammoth, yeah, I mean, probably wrote us off after a couple of injuries, but we stuck to the process um we, we stuck to our game plan um we had some great leaders step up in absence of other players and that's truly what a championship runs all about and and the, the, that's what i remember about it i, I remember just i mean the, the individual plays that add up to the the greater accomplishment of the team the sacrifices that players make the sacrifices that yeah, i mean families make the sacrifices that uh that go on throughout the year that probably get overlooked um and and might maybe only get seen within the players or or those that look very closely but those are the ones that really kind of show character and and show what the resilience of a team and and i'm I'm very proud to be a part of that and and to be one of the members of the the teams and to be able to be a championship and win a championship with the colorado mammoth was there maybe a bit of a bigger championship hangover coming into this nll season um is that a, I, is that a real thing or is that just something we make up as as media and fans yeah i i honestly don't know like i <laughs> i i don't i think it, it could affect some players some teams differently mm-hmm. um i think we're coming into this season with the same mentality as always like we're, we're we play to win we we play to uh win championships that's that's why we're here we we, we want to every time we step on the floor we want to compete we want to be at the at the best um i i think looking back and kind of coming through training camp was it a little bit different yes i think it was a little bit different just because uh numbers and injuries and kind of a little, little bit of unknowns on, on like okay what's going to go on here but that being said it's the same thing that we always kind of talk about like do your job right like we're, we're not the gm we're not the coaches we're there to play right so we played i play defense i'm there to play defense i'm not scoring goals the offensive players same thing they're not stopping the ball so on and so forth so if everyone does their job and sticks within ourselves we know we have confidence within our room um i, I think it's a real thing that once you do win a championship teams look at you a little bit differently and, and probably get a little bit more pumped up for you to kind of come in so like people aren't sleeping on us anymore um people aren't 
um, going to just, I mean, roll over. And, and again, we've never been a team that just kind of been able to show up and you're just like, yeah, we'll just show up and we'll win this one. Um, that's not us. We, we got to work hard. We have to do all the little things. Right. And again, I know they're cliche, but that's, it's the cliche things a lot of the time lead to success. So, um, again, we're still early in the season. Uh, I don't think we've, we've shown our full potential. I still think we're getting comfortable, uh, with one another again, um, just getting back in the swing of things and hopefully we'll be able to kind of bring it and just kind of continue on with a, a good run here. Well, you mentioned, go ahead, Patty. I was going to say, you mentioned this year, and I, I know you guys are now focused on this year. The, you know, I think once that banner is is up, it's now fully on to this season. But, you know, you guys, again, adversity, still without Lee, still without Wardle, Craig, some serious, you know, contributors for this team um, still not here. You guys kind of had a weird schedule as well. What has been the most difficult part uh, to start this championship defending run? Yeah, I, I just think it's been different. Like you said, like, I, I think everyone deals with the same schedule uh, at the start of the year. I mean, you, you see a lot of teams with double bye weeks and I mean, Christmas break and this it back and forth. And that, that just is what it is. That's a part of being a professional cross player in the National Cross League. Um, there's no excuse there. We just got to be able to deal with it. So that means watching film on the off weeks, making sure you're working out, making sure your body's in, in peak condition. Um, from there, I think we've had some great additions to our lineup, uh, guys that have stepped up big time, um, some rookies in the lineup, some veterans in the lineup. And, and that's really gone a, a really long way um, in, our, in our last game against Fort Worth. And again, every game is so crucial in this league. You can't let one slip away. Um, I, I mean, Patty Coyle and, and Selfer and our coaching staff, yeah, I mean, as soon as training camp started, they said, yeah, last year was a great run, but that was last year. And and I know all of our guys on our team, like we're hungry for another one. Like let's like, like we're not resting on that one. Let's go after it and let's get after things here and let's turn the page on that one. Let's learn from it. Let's, let's be, let's understand where we came from. Um, but at the same time, it only gets more difficult. It doesn't get easier because of that. Like I said, people are, yeah, I mean, ramping up to play the chance. People are um, maybe have a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth from last year, uh, losing this or whatever might happen, right? So it's one of those things. I think that's more the mental side of lacrosse and the mental side of sports. When it comes down to it is last year is last year. It's over with. We can learn from it. Let's get better. But we need to take another step forward. Like uh, last year shouldn't be our ceiling. We should go somewhere else. We should get a little higher and keep on going. Right. And that's decisions that we need to make within ourselves. And, and that's, again, that's going to help out our team in general. You talk about teams with sour tastes in their mouth. Calgary is one of the teams you knocked off going to that championship run. And of course, schedule makers have it. So you play them first uh, in your home opener, one of your biggest rivals uh, in your career as a member of the mammoth. What is it about these two teams that just always play incredible across against each other? Yeah, yeah, I mean, they they're a really good team. They're a really good franchise, they're a really good organization, right? Kind of head to toe. They yeah, I mean, they have great goaltending offensively, defensively, super athletic. Um and I, it just there's something else to the matchup. I, I don't know what it is. Um, but each and every time it's it's a it's an exciting matchup. It's a must must watch lacrosse type of thing um that being said again like you said the matchup kind of works out that we're playing them on on this night um but that being said like whatever happens 
with the raising and this, that, and the other, like we got to think game first, right? Like, yeah, I mean, we're, we're here, we're now, we're present, making sure that, yeah, I mean, the, the opponent that's in front of us is Calgary and we have to make sure that we're looking for two points. Um, shift by shift, we got to get better. Um, we got to learn from it, practice, film, and then we can go from there. Um, it, it should be exciting. It should be good. I know, like you said, they probably have a sour taste in their mouth. I know each time that they've beat us and got the better of us, we, we had that same taste. So um, we're used to it. We know what they're going to come out with, and we, we don't. We know they're not going to take us lightly. How much longer do you have um, putting up with Joey Capito? Oh, yeah. He's my, he's my full-time uh, roommate right now. I try to keep him as line as much as possible. Very difficult, <laughs> all, uh, obviously. Um, the guys in the team are pretty good to let me know if he is getting out of hand to kind of get him back into place with a factory reset or anything <laughs> like that. But no, you know what? He's, he's a great teammate. He's a great roommate to have. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad to be able to be with him. I know we go back and forth a bunch and kind of chirp at one another, but that's all on the fun of it. That's awesome. Uh, Warren Jeffrey, where's his ceiling? Oh, I, 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 he's got a huge ceiling. I think he's so big, strong, athletic. I know when we drafted him, I, I had the opportunity to play that summer before against him uh, in our Brampton series against him. And yeah, I mean, very special athlete, very special um, defender. Um, and again, I think he can, can do it all. I, I think he's one of those guys that should be, and then might get overlooked at times, which should be up there with, with some of our top defenders and in, in this league. Um, and again, I think he's only getting better. I think he's only understanding the game more. Um, and I think again, the ceiling is, is like limitless for him. Um, once he kind of continues to get better, puts it all together. Um, he's one of those top tier defensive players in the whole league. We're obviously going to have an incredible goaltending duel between Christian Del Bianco and Dylan Ward. Um, what kind of confidence does Dylan Ward give your defensive group when he's playing at the top of his game? Oh, a ton. Um, I've been so fortunate to be able to play in front of him for all my years in the National Lacrosse League and understanding if we do get burnt or if a mistake is made that he's going to be there and he makes some amazing saves for us and for our team. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a great person. He's a great individual. He's a great teammate to be able to have within that dress room. And uh, yeah, I mean, great feedback to defenders on, on what he's seeing and, and to our coaching staff. So to be able to have him down, back there, we're, 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 again, we're so fortunate to have him there and to be able to play with him for so long. And hopefully that just kind of continues moving forward. Yeah. I mean, like you said, Delb's on the other side, he's, he's a great goaltender too. So each and every time they have a matchup together, it's always a good game. Talking about the the roughnecks, Delbianco, the transition defense is always the first thing that comes up. But we've seen some success on the offensive side of the ball this year, even with some big names uh, leaving that roster. What problems uh, does Calgary's offense pose for your guys' defense? They have a lot of set plays. They obviously have a lot of uh, individuals that can score the ball. They have some big bodies up there that can really bang and make a lot of space for one another. Um, I mean, they're fit, they're athletic, they can take their one-on-ones, they'll hit their shots. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, they're they're in the National Lacrosse League for a reason. I, I know that they've lost players um, in kind of free agency or, or the previous years and trades and so on and so forth. But again, it, they're, they're no one to be taken lightly by, by any means. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jesse King is one of, turned in one of the most I mean, premier players uh, in our league now. You got Pace on the right side, and you got many other figures, young guys that are coming in, but that are they're taking a way bigger role in the game. Kind of watching, watching them kind of move on, and, and how they move the ball and how they score the ball. And then, like you talked about, there there are guys that are in the in the back end that are running the ball, and they, and they run the ball very well, and and they 
they score majority of the times that they do kind of take their opportunities. So it, it's, it's never easy. Um, they're well coached obviously and understanding that it's again, next to man up mentality for them. Whoever's there is going to play that system. And it's going to play it well, and they're going to get their look. So that's, that's up to us to make sure that we defend that and we're on our best, best game. Uh, obviously, you know, we talk about the injuries and obviously no Tyson Gibson is a big loss for you guys, but you bring in Reese Dutch, the guy that, you know, has terrorized your organization over the years. How's he fit in with your group coming in, you know, after the first loss? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that was some someone that when we signed him, we were excited to have. Again, playing against him, like you said, for, for many years um, with the Mammoth myself and then in the summer ball a little bit too and, and seeing all the success that he's had against us. I mean, and understanding what type of player he is and, and understanding kind of all of his leadership and that he's he's won at, you know, I mean, many different levels and many different championships and seeing what he's going to bring. But he, he's done an amazing job in that Fort Worth game, just the way that he moved the ball, shot the ball, and, you know, I mean, made space for others. And, and when he had the opportunity, he finished it. So it was something that we're going to, you know, I mean, someone that we're going to lean on, someone that we're going to need to produce kind of moving forward. So he's great to have, great teammate, and uh, we're excited to have him. Uh, give me the best hidden gem of Peterborough. Uh, best hidden gem. Oh, there's a, there's a ton. There's almost too many to, uh, you know, um, one of the, one of the most hidden gems, little sports bar down the South end, right across from the Mem center sticks, stick sports bar, little, little, uh, off track betting, just a nice little meeting spot, the best wings in town also there. Um, I love a good wings and uh, coldest beer in town too. Is that the place where they do karaoke? They're, well, they have a karaoke night. They do it all there. That's yeah. Why it's <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember a tough loss against the Lakers, and we ended up there post game one night, and uh, it was the scene, that's for sure. I uh, hope you appreciate you, my man. Uh, I know Jet's getting restless, so we'll let you get back to being a father. Uh, I'll see you in Denver this weekend, but good luck for the rest of the year, man. Congratulations on all your success. Thanks, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Just one of the nicest guys uh, in the National Lacrosse League, Robert Hope. Uh, yeah, he's definitely going to have some explaining to do. To young Jeff, <laughs> that video of Sean Evans. That video is all time. Like you said, it every time I still see it, it it puts a big smile on my face, and it, I think it just it's it's like Peterborough personified. Yeah, holy like, was like absolute weapon, but also seeing all the guys like behind the bar and just everyone there, big smiles on their face, just so proud and, and happy for all the guys that went to, to battle on the floor. But of course, just uh, Evie being Evie and, and, and just being an absolute nut bar. Like, ah, <laughs> oh, man, it's awesome. It's awesome. Peter, uh, man, they're, they, they don't make them. They don't make no, them like that everywhere. They, they really don't, don't make them like they make them in the borough. Um, Philadelphia at Vegas is an interesting one. Obviously, Vegas still looking for their first win. Philadelphia trying to find their second win of the season. Um, that is going to be a, an intriguing matchup, East versus West. Panther City versus Rochester. Rochester 3-0. Can they keep this streak going? Panther City trying to regain some ground. Like You go through the matchups this weekend. Maybe aside from Vancouver, San Diego, and Buffalo, Georgia, none of these games are write-offs by any means. No, they really aren't. And you mentioned that first game, Philly and, and Vegas. Like, 
again, Vegas playing with house money. They're, they're an expansion team, but you know, talking to people in that organization, like they have high expectations for themselves. They, they do believe that they can compete every single night and what they saw in that home opener, like they're pretty embarrassed about the offensive performance that, that happened. And there's a lot of, you know, consummate pros in that lineup, you can almost be assured that that stinker on offense is not going to happen again. Um, but yeah, you, you you look down Panther City, they've made some great momentum, um, but they're sitting at two and two. So they want to stay within the things. Rochester obviously wants to prove that the opening part of their season uh, was not a fluke. Albany, they're a team that has had Halifax's number. Like last year, they beat them twice. So Halifax knows they can't just walk into that arena and ex- expect the win. Georgia Buffalo, maybe that's that's the one there. But Lyle Thompson <laughs> never bet right. against LP four, right? So I think every single game you are right, and even to that last game, San Diego, Vancouver, like pot, we've seen. Hey, we saw Vancouver last year go into San Diego yeah, and win. That's true. Um, Maybe they can catch a team off guard. Maybe maybe they're a team that can finally capitalize on San Diego having a slow start or going to sleep in the third or the fourth quarter, whatever it is. I think that's something that teams are going to try to capitalize because, I don't know, maybe, maybe San Diego, this is the game that they can rectify those issues. Yeah. But um, that one's not a write-off for, for me. I think a very, very desperate, desperate Vancouver team could possibly go into Pachanga and and take advantage of a team that could possibly be taking them lightly. But I, I, I'm looking forward to this slate, Teddy. I, I, is there obviously you're calling that mammoth Calgary game. So I know that's the game you've got circled, but is there another game that, you know, you're excited to, you know, after you get home to to watch back the recording of? I, I think that Albany-Halifax game, uh, just because, like you said, Albany's had Halifax's number. Halifax is a team that's kind of struggling coming off that loss. Did they start Hutchie? Do they go back to Warren Hill? Um, can we really see if this Albany-Firewolves team is for real? Uh, I think that's a huge test for both of these clubs, but that's definitely the game. I'm going to be watching. Obviously, the Rock and Riptide is going to be an absolute goal fest, I think. I think that's just going to be uh, a shootout. I know you have a hot take that you're probably saving for next week, so I'm not going to touch on that with the Toronto Rock, but I think they need to make some personnel changes uh, just to kind of get back to the old Toronto Rock. Mm -hmm. So uh, it is a crazy schedule. One game on Friday, six games on Saturday night, two games on ESPN. Every game can be watched on ESPN plus and tsn.ca. So make sure you are by your computer when you can be. And since you're going to be by your computer, make sure you hit over our friends at cool bet Canada and uh, play along another round of box bets. Time now for box bets. Your source for all the lines, odds and props from across the world of lacrosse brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool. That responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> All right, Patty. Uh, no one covered last week as we uh, tried to give the fans some winnings. But uh, once again, we're going to let them choose this week's parlay. Yeah, and, and last week we had the parlay set for when we dropped the podcast. This, thing, this week we're going a little bit different because uh, I think 
there was more input after the polls were closed. So we're going to give the folks a little more time. Um, we're actually going to give them until after this podcast drops. So if you're listening right now, there is still more time to go out there and vote. So your options are Halifax, Colorado, and San Diego, all to win, just on the money line. Next up, similar to what we had last week, but Las Vegas, New York, Calgary, all to cover two and a half, two and a half goals. Third option is Rochester, Buffalo, and Toronto. Another favorites, all to win, money line parlay. And the last one, Vancouver plus three and a half. And Halifax and New York both to win. Right now, leading the way is the first favorite money line parlay in Halifax, Colorado, and San Diego to win. I know we can't vote, Teddy. What's who am I going with? Who would you who would you be? I'm going to take the uh, – I would take the Rochester-Buffalo-Toronto favorite. Okay. To win. Money lines. All Give right. There, yeah, well, uh, so I wanted to, to quickly um, just dive over to, to Coolbet on, on the odds right now. And just because just we said there really isn't a, a gimme. Um, mm-hmm. But I did want to notice just one thing that uh, Panther City – and Rochester. That game opened up at a pick'em. Uh, both teams were minus one ten, minus one ten. So obviously, the public really thinks Rochester is going to continue to roll because right now they have dropped to minus one forty-five, and Panther City is at plus one twenty. So we've seen some line movement since the odds opened up on Tuesday. So again. If you want a little bit of action on the National Lacrosse League, there's no better place to do it than at CoolBet. Got money line, handicap, total goals, and of course, player props as well. We don't ever talk about the player props because those usually drop a little bit closer um, to game time. But no doubt, uh, if you're not a fan of a specific team, that is usually the way that I love playing you know, my football betting or my NHL betting, whatever, whatever it may be, that is a fun way to get involved. And you can now do that um, exclusively at CoolBet with the best player props available on the market. Go to CoolBet.ca, find the features tab. You'll find us right down there, the OTCB Parlay. We'll get it up there Friday and you can play along and have your say over on our Twitter uh, that'll do it for this week. Uh, next week, we'll talk uh, the PLL schedule and why they're afraid of Canada. John Grant goes to the woods and we'll recap all seven games from this past weekend. Thanks to Dan Latasur and thanks to Robert Hope for stopping by and giving us some time. He is at Pete Greggy. I am at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB Podcast or find us on the Instas at OTCB Podcast. Until we speak again, take a friend to a game. Take a friend, take two, and buy them a couple of cold beers. Beers, friends, and lacrosse go hand in hand. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other. I am an outlaw. I was born to